Welcome to The Expanded Podcast with your host, Lacey Phillips. As a leading manifestation advisor with a process that's, well, radically different from the old New Age model, mine is rooted in psychology, neuroscience, and my energetic gifts. Therefore, I created this podcast to help you expand your subconscious limiting beliefs about the potential of deserving the manifestations you're calling in. In each episode, we'll walk through my expanders, a term in my manifestation formula signaling the people that already embody, have, or are successful in what we are looking to call in. These are the people that we witness through our mirror neurons on a subconscious level that expand us into knowing that our manifestations are possible as well especially when we hear about their background, their upbringing, their trials and tribulations, and any of their pitfalls that they had to experience along the way. Therefore, you're tuning into this podcast series to show your subconscious that anything you desire is possible. And by pressing play, you've already started the process of manifesting it. If you enjoy this episode, please leave us our review, comment, and share it with your fellow manifester that's struggling or could really benefit from the information that you're about to learn. Today's podcast guest, Mel Nahas, co-founder of Conscious City Guide, is one of my personal business expanders. I've actually sat down with her for lunch once and been like, Mel, what do I do when it comes to restructuring the company and being able to really step back so the beautiful women that work beside me could really step forward and use their talents to help this manifestation content get out far further to anybody who's looking for it. So I think you'll find this episode incredibly expanding if you are adopted, if you have been in a work environment or a career that was successful, but it wasn't exactly your heart's passion. And you are looking or are currently looking to take all of those tools that you've harnessed and to implement them into your actual heart's desire and actually form a successful company out of it. And Mel is so vulnerable in this where she expresses a current career setback that they just had, which I call a magic dark. Um, I can see a couple of things for her that are going to align, which will bring this through. And she's also very, very, very vulnerable about her launch into consciousness, which I think we all kind of have that launching point. Some kids are born innately very spiritual, but a lot of us have that sort of rock bottom moment that makes us find uh, a path and become seekers. And um, hers is really relatable and funny and sweet. And she actually had the luck of experiencing pure consciousness It was a taste of it, which allowed her or lured her down the path to wanting to evolve and continue to find that and deepen it. And for those who might not 
be familiar with Conscious City Guide. I like to say it's what we all sat around wishing for 10 years ago when we were yogis and not really parting too much. And we just wished that there was this platform that would email us any conscious event going on from sound baths to circles to anything, you name it, uh, just collected in one space, emailing us and letting us know what's going on around us. And that's exactly what Conscious City Guide does. So if you aren't already signed up, this will become your new favorite resource for connecting with like-minded community and taking your consciousness deeper. Welcome to the Expanded Podcast. We have my guest today is Mel Nahas, co-founder of Conscious City Guide, which I think is the best resource out there. You know what I used to do? I used to simmer years ago. I have a whole nother idea, and I think you might even be actually tapped into this, but I used to sit and be like, where is the thing, the email we can get that tells us what's going on that's conscious this weekend, where we can go, what event, what we can connect with? And you really, you guys really filled that space for everybody. I have this other thing that I want you to create, <laughs> which is the Raya for I'm still, Friends. I'm still creating that one. Yeah, okay. <laughs> it is about to go to a whole new level, which I can't wait for you to talk about on here for people who are needing this expansion. But so I want to get right into it and jump into it. First of all, welcome. Thank you so much. It really just is truly an honor that you asked me to be here. I was just shocked. I mean, we've been trying to get this together for a long time now, right? I mean, I just thought it was just, you know, friends talking about doing doing something no. like this, but um yeah. because I rarely will do an interview, so and you make you make me feel safe. So oh, here I'm so I am. glad. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm so happy you're here. Well, let's pop right into it. The whole premise of this podcast, just so you know, is to serve as an expander for people who may come from a similar background or may identify with your goals and your dreams or your career accomplishments or your personal life. Mm -hmm. And so basically we talk through your ups, downs and all around for them to identify with it on the subconscious plane and have the capability of expanding into it. Got so many of those. Yes, ups, downs, and all around. Okay, good, good, good. And I know some of them, so I'm excited. Okay, first and foremost, let us know about your cultural background and upbringing. Yeah, so that's a wild one. Your first up, down, and around. (laughs) First up, down, and around started sometime in the womb. Yeah, yeah. No, no, it really did for me. So I love to say I look Asian, sound Australian, walk like an Egyptian. That's even on your your Instagram handle, (laughs) right? But it's so true in like all senses. So um, I was born on an island in Indonesia called Bunker Island and I was raised on a bigger island called Australia and when I was renewing my passport to get my visa for America in Australia if your passport is um, not yet I think maybe has like a six-month expiry kind of lead time you can do it online so I was like I'll just get my passport renewed online and then I'll get the fresh visa in there so I don't have to deal with it so I was doing everything online And the Australian consulate was computer system was literally saying cannot compute. So what's going on? Checking all my numbers. They're all good. Um, And then 
I called them and I said, I'm trying to renew my passport. What's going on? They said, if you've never been into the office um, and you've always just renewed, then there's a slight chance of human error. We'll open up a ticket and look it up for you. But in the meantime, get a copy of your birth certificate. Mm. And I'd never seen my birth certificate, which I guess plenty of people haven't seen their birth certificate. So that wasn't weird to me. Um, So I emailed my mom and I said, trying to renew my passport, um, can't do it. Can you please send me my birth certificate? And she emailed me back my birth certificate with all my adoption papers. And I found out I was adopted when I was 31 years old. So hard. I mean, you I went mean through it so sounds many. hard, but I mean, I should preface this with my mom is, everyone's like, oh my God, how did your parents never tell you? No, and, there's so many ways to approach this yeah, individually for a and like, I am so, so grateful, Lacey, mm-hmm. that, you know, I found out when I did, like, as an adult, knowing I thought them, but I continued to, to learn so much more about myself every day. But at that point in my life at 31, I was, I was pretty, you know, solid mm-hmm. within myself mm-hmm. and, and knew who I was and nothing at that point could have shaken me to my core and that didn't. Yeah. You know, I guess for some people it would have, but I was in a really good spot in my life and I had an amazing, beautiful relationship with my parents and I just understood that, you know, my mom brought me up the best that she could with mm-hmm. all the tools that she had. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, there's there was no blame, there was no hate, there was... It was kind of like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Makes a lot more sense. <laughs> <laughs> well, also tell the cultural background of your parents. Yeah, so my mom and the reason why it would have been difficult for her to come to terms with this and even sharing it is that, you know, she was brought up in a very Asian culture, Chinese-Indonesian culture, huge Catholic family of 12 children. Every other dollar went to some church organization or some charity. Never, you know, they Mm -hmm. never spent anything on themselves. And some Asian cultures, and especially in that era of like our parents' kind of age era, I think it's very different. Obviously, it's hugely different to Western culture. But, you know, you look at cultures as well as eras. And I think in that era, it was also way less prominent to share feelings or what was going on in your life and that coupled with the her Asian culture was like this I call it a humbleness to a fault yeah they wouldn't tell their friends if they were had an amazing day they wouldn't tell their friends if they were sick financial problems nothing none of that especially in that culture and time so and understanding all of that as an adult is why you know you had the compassion yeah, and the capability. Yeah, I'm so grateful. Had I found out when I was 15, you know, the amount of times I like fought with my mom especially and ran away from home, you know, one of those running away from home periods, I wouldn't have come back. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, had I found out at that time. So. Oh, and then your dad, his cultural background is amazing. So dad is from Egypt. So I actually do walk like an Egyptian. <laughs> and I like to think that my soul left these little breadcrumbs mm. for me to um, look back at my past lives mm-hmm. and culture um, because what Indonesian woman is brought up in Australia with um, na- 
you know, native Aboriginals who have such a rich dream time history, which I'm really into dream time and dream culture Mm -hmm. with Egyptian grandparents. And I was, you know, just fed amazing Egyptian food. Like every week we'd go to my grandparents' house and I feel like I, my soul chose to give myself those things in this lifetime to just nourish me on a physical level, but also, hey, take a look at all these cultures that are somehow intertwined and part of your DNA and soul thread right now. And I'm sure you've probably lived in every one of those cultures in different times, I'm sure. absolutely. It's worth noting as well that um, Mel is a Tauren sun. What's your moon in your rising? Uh, my rising Aries. Yeah, that a makes a lot of sense. Sag moon. Wow. And a reflector in human design. <laughs> which an you emotional. told me. Yeah. <laughs> like days after my birthday. Yes, which makes so much sense. Have you been living by the 28 day? Oh, it's no. so hard. <laughs> I, like, I look at that and I'm like, I could never wait <laughs> a moon cycle to make a decision. I can't wait for my appointment with Jenna. I'm going to be like... Do I really have to wait maybe, you know, wait 28 days? Like when my dude, you know, the dude that I manifest yeah. finally proposes to me, like <laughs> what he's going to get down on one knee and say, will you marry me? Oh, sorry, babe. Yeah. 28 day rule. Like it's so I need true. to clarify. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I need some time to get clear on this one. <laughs> I love that. Okay. So in Australia, did you grow up in small town or big city? Uh, in but something in between. So Ooh. I grew up in Perth, which is in Western Australia, um, one of the most isolated cities in the world. Mm. Um, so yeah, it was a big town, small city. Ah, interesting. Yeah, and super isolated. Like, kind of Bali was closer to Perth than Sydney. Whoa. Yeah. Wow. Did it have the same uh, feel of Bali being so close? Was there influence? Um, Definitely an influence. Like so many um, families would go on family vacations um, to Bali because it was cheaper and and a three-hour flight. Amazing. (laughs) Um, And there are a lot of Indonesians in Perth because it is so um, geographically close. But uh, no, I mean, it's definitely um, an Aussie city and huge beach culture and a lot of space. So mm-hmm. I grew up, you know, um, really grateful to have grown up with a backyard, really good social community. And, you know, it was racially mixed. And I just read the other day, like Australia has the most diverse races now, which no is way. so cool. Yeah, it was that because of our migration policy. Wow. So we have the most um, diverse mix of people. Wow. Um, although it was an isolated kind of smaller city, it did feel kind of diverse, I would say. Amazing. Yeah. Did you have a lot of people, because your dad is obviously an expander for you in business in many ways, Yeah. but did you have a lot of people that you grew up around who did expand you, who did reflect back that Conscious City Guide would be possible for you? I mean, um, why am I getting emotional right now? I love it. That (laughs) means that it's in your heart. I know, because I I feel like it really is my dad because, Mm. you know... He was always the one that told me. I'm crying be, too. <laughs> I get this. You can is so be beautiful. anything and do anything you want. And like, mum always went along for the ride. But um, 
And also, mom was such a huge expander in terms of what you can do for money because I guess, like, she saw that I was, you know, air quotes, had talent in singing and dancing growing up because I was dancing since I was three years old. And she took me to this audition when I was eight years old and my first paycheck was, like, literally in this musical for six months or three months, sorry, in um, Perth. And that was, like doing because I've done your program on opulence and when I went back and did all the um dms or all the yeah di same thing we all know what you're talking about slide into my dms whatever yeah 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 (laughs) (laughs) call them what you want as long as they're working that's all I care about (laughs) when I went and did those I realized how lucky I was that my first job that I did was doing something that I loved which was singing and dancing on stage. And it just reflected that it's possible. You yeah, can do anything you so want. Yeah, so in terms of that, it was definitely my parents who just always instilled that in me. And I guess even from dance, dancing and dance classes, like my dance teachers, you know, they owned their own studios. Wow. And they would their studios were successful and they were doing their passions. And so I guess in a way it was a lot from um, – that whole world, even though I have intense nightmares still to this day about dancing competitions. Right, but (laughs) what is that that comes up for you? And this, I think, why I'm asking, it can be so uh, expansive for anybody who has any fear of trying doing something that they're going to be judged on or the potential of rejection. Yeah. What what is that that still I mean, I think it was just because from, yeah, such a young age, it was imprinted on me, this idea of competition. And winning because I did competitions four times a year. And it was always for me a fear of not being ready or my costume not having all the sequins on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Being accepted and being loved. Yes, yeah. And just, yeah, and not being, having the same costume as everyone else in my troupe or Mm -hmm. something like that. Mm -hmm. That's what, yeah, most of the nightmares about, and like I would get up and like, oh, my costume wasn't ready. Oh, I love that though, <laughs> or feeling different or not good enough or whatever it could be. Uh huh. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I have my triggers still on many a things, but it looks <laughs> like it's not holding you back, which is good. No, no. And I, I love working with my dream work. I'll really, you know, go into them and and. Yeah, tell us your practice because you have a deeply extensive spiritual practice from teas to that to meditation. Yeah, well, the dream work's kind of new for me and something that I'm just still developing what the practice actually is. But I have a lot of different books and right now I'm just piecing together um, things from Jungian psychology and um, some traditional native cultures and the dream work that they used to um, or still practice and they've handed down through these books. Can you name some of them for the person who's interested in starting? I will share you the links of the books because they're all um, (laughs) – I went deep into this um, rare and antique bookstore <gasps> online. Ugh. So they're kind of difficult to find and they're super, super old and first edition. My so favorite. I'll, yeah, I'll send you I the have links. a lot of my grandmas that are like that. And you can't find them anywhere. It so. smells so good. Oh, good. <laughs> yes, that'll be helpful because I actually get that question a lot. Where do we start with dream work? And I personally don't practice enough of it to know. Yeah. So I think a lot of people will be really interested in that. Yeah, so. for sure. And tell us about your other spiritual practices. Um, so, I mean, I guess I 
start mo- try to start most days with my um, tea practice. And that really came into my life through um, dear friend of mine, Srimati and Colin from Living Teas and M. Balin um, or Tian Wu. And the three of them all are learning from Wuda, who runs um, Global Tea Hut. Wow. And it's just a really present, beautiful way to start the day. And I say that it's my most important meeting mm. of the day. And I, I do try and not schedule other meetings, you know, before 11 a.m. at mm-hmm. least, mm-hmm. Um, just so I can get in at least a good hour in the tea room. And I'll also do a pranic energy meditation mm. before or after tea. And that's from a kahuna mm. Hawaiian practice. Love, I love Hawaiian herbalism and I love Hawaiian spiritual practices. I haven't even, you know, like I have so many beautiful friends who live on different islands and it just feels so strong. And this book was just so good. Pranic energy healing. Mm. I'll send you that link yes. too so you can put it up. So tea and the pranic energy meditation the dream work is what I'm kind of just starting to do. And then, look, there's nothing more spiritual to me than taking the dog for a walk yeah. on the beach. Pippet! <laughs> Pippet! <laughs> I love her. Oh, my gosh. I love her on Instagram. She's the best. Yeah, she's the best. Yeah. She killed a mouse the other night. Oh, she's full canyon dog now. <laughs> she's into – can you tell us about, because I'm about to do this with Barley, the rattlesnake aversion Oh, you're training. doing it? I'm Good. doing it because I bought the house up north. Oh, yes. And it's like filled with rattlesnakes <gasps> when it's hot. Well, it's 4,000 feet, so it's the area itself that's lower. Yeah. But just in case one happens to be that high in the deep heat, yeah. I want her. I mean, Barley's such a city dog. I rescued her in the city. Yeah, you Oh, you ha- it's a must. You have to. Rattlesnake aversion training was the coolest thing that, um, I mean, having my dog in America, f- firstly, there were so many things before I moved here, which I thought were blockages that I would never do. And having the dog was one. Mm. And then one day in my mind, I was like, oh, I just take the dog. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, okay. Yeah. Uh, just take the dog. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. Um, so rattlesnake aversion training when I moved to Topanga Canyon was like one of the first things. And mm-hmm. they set up little stations with real live rattlesnakes mm. and they train the dogs on sight, scent and sound. And what's it called again? I mean, people will probably be interested, but just for me personally, for it's Barley. It's rattlesnakeaversiontraining.com. Oh, oh, the the website. Well, I do it through Mountain Restorations Trust. Cool. I'm going to do it with Barley. The question I want to ask you before this actually about your spiritual practice, because I've been actually simmering on this a lot lately when I'm alone and and nature. Why are you on a spiritual quest? Why are you doing these practices? Do you know yet the intention beneath? I can't say I've distilled it to a perfect sentence and it's ever evolving um, as is Myself and my spiritual practice and, yeah, everything. But I think it is just to clarify and further deepen that connection that we have with source, which is ultimately everything and everyone. and All is connected. Yeah, all is connected. Mm -hmm. So it's that deepening of that presence and understanding that, you know, we are all – one and connected. I think that's it. 
that's what it usually always leads back to. And there's like lots of little lessons along the way, but yeah. I'm just like you. I mean, all of the practices I've been studying for years and years and years now are towards the same enlightenment, right? Of pure consciousness, of Mm. trying to detach from body and then getting to a place where we're at one in love. But have you ever had this moment? I've had a couple of friends who have when you're maybe deep into the tea practice or maybe doing Vedic or anything where you've had that moment where you can feel pure oneness. Okay, I've got a story. Yes, <laughs> I've only had it once, one time, and I was like, oh, this is, this is the answer. So this, is what pro- this experience is what propelled me on this path and journey, actually. So it, it was the defining moment that turned my life into going down this, this road. So I'd just broken up with a long-term boyfriend. We were living together. Back in Australia. Back in Australia. I remember had Pippet. He'd yeah. even named Pippet, you know, Ugh, lived yeah. in this epic, you know, mini warehouse, whatever. Um, life was great. Dream career in the music industry, all of this. Thought I was marrying the guy. Totally sideswiped me. I did not know it was coming, but he came back from overseas and broke up with me. And I was just like, my heart, yeah. like, just, ugh. I was in pieces. I was like, I remember even drinking a bottle of straight vodka. Down I was and a complete out. mess. Yeah. Um, I was down and out. And um, one of my girlfriends at the time was like, look, because I wasn't into anything mm-hmm. at this point. I was all about rock and roll, some drugs. Yeah, 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 yeah. So who wasn't? Yeah. Some drugs, you know, and hard liquor. Yeah. And, you know, I'll always say that. I've had that background mm-hmm. and I enjoyed Same. it and whatever. Like, um, anyway, so, yeah, bottle of vodka I thought would fix everything, multiple bottles of vodka. And, you know, I guess a girlfriend of mine at the time said she was just like, no Girl. more vodka. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I know, like, you don't believe in this stuff or you mm. haven't even tried it yet, but just go and see this woman, Margaret, in Sydney. And if anything, it's going to be a beautiful three-hour massage. Oh, my God. Then we're going to get in. I know yeah, what you're okay. going to talk about. Right. Anyway, not that. But um, so I was like, okay, I could go get a three-hour massage. Go to this woman, Margaret, and her house is like right next to the cemetery in Coogee, which is this amazing, beautiful wow. cemetery like on the cliffs of Sydney, <gasps> just oh. overlooking the ocean. It's the most one of the most beautiful cemeteries in the world. So I'm like wow. driving up there and I'm like, oh, this is weird, but cool. Like it had a vibe. Yeah. And so I go see Margaret and it was kind of a mixture of a massage and Reiki. Mm. And I don't know what else she was doing. And her gifts. Yeah. Just purely gifted because after this session, I was drinking vodka every day after that breakup, really. And after that session, it was like something clicked and moved and I felt this huge weight. I know it sounds weird and people say a huge weight was no, lifted no, off of me. No, no, it's an energetic weight. a huge weight yeah. was lifted off of me. And I just felt incredible and I didn't need the vodka to get wow. through the day. And then about a month later, I was thinking about it and I said, wow, if she was able to move energy, because to me at that time that language was yeah, still yeah, like. Yeah, yeah, so crazy. Yeah, yeah. like energy. Uh, yeah. You know. I used to be the same. Jack Daniels, energy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> Jack Daniels gives me energy. Yeah. Like, they call it spirits because it, it's a darkness, but it opens up to the spiritual plane. That's why, that's how it got the name. Dang. Yeah. I never knew that. It's just a lower vibration of spirit, of, spirits that right. can come around. Right. So anyway, um, I was like, if she could do that, I wonder, you know, what would happen when I'm feeling pretty good now. Wow. So I went back and I'm on her table and to this day, I just, I still call it the, like the sound of a lightsaber. <laughs> and it went from one ear through my brain and out the other. And it was like, whoom, 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 whoom. Started off really low and slow. And then it was like, whoom, 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 like to the highest pitch frequency I've ever heard in my ears and in my brain. Like it was almost like shaking my entire face. And then it was just like, and it like popped. And then all of a sudden there was this ginormous being in front of me. That's what they say. Wait, what color was the being? It, well, the color of the entire world of wherever I popped into was kind of like, it's hard to explain, but almost like a pastely fluorescent yellow. Oh, it was a yellow. Yeah. Oh, okay. But this being was so ginormous and it had no definition and it didn't say anything. So like zero identity, zero, zero gender. Zero identity. Oneness. Complete oneness. And... It was like, it wasn't emitting love to me, but it was like all I could feel in this entire presence of this being and this pastel fluorescent yellow world was like I was absorbed into that world too, I guess. And I just felt the most intense frequency of love that to this day still have never experienced that again, that I was just crying in ecstasy. Yeah. Pure, pure ecstasy of love. Wow. And I came out of this session and I was like, what the heck was that? Wow. And I just, that's when I went down the rabbit hole of starting to learn meditation and um, started reading a ton of books and... Yeah, that really sent me the breakup and then seeing that healer and then that insane experience experience. of just complete oneness and love. That's it's the answer. It's amazing. Oh, I'm so glad. So that that's what actually hooked you in to everything, to the spiritual practice. Yeah. No wonder people love drugs so much. Like that's well, there's so many different ways to arrive at this, right? But I do believe that even in Vedic, right? That's what I practice in terms of meditation. And it sounds like your strongest practice is the tea meditation, Mm -hmm. which is so, so deep and powerful. I mean, I wish I had someone, I wish I could come to the Canyon every day and do it with you (laughs) because I don't see myself being able to administer it. Um, It's not my thing, but when I receive and I'm in that practice, it is so every sense, the presence that comes from that and the quiet connection with everything and every sense being stimulated, it's such a deeper version of a different type of meditation yeah, and far less mental to me and much more of a, of a total oneness and presence in the physical plane, yeah, right. which is so hard to achieve. So it's completely difficult. And actually Colin, we were on a retreat with Srimati and Rich Roll, which we produce. 
in May and during one of the tea sessions, and I'm sorry if I misquote you, Colin. <laughs> but um, <laughs> You seem so lovely. <laughs> I love you, Colin. But um, was that there's no separation of frequencies between presence and love. <gasps> I believe that. So, and that's what you were just saying. That's yeah. what we're talking about. When you're completely present, yeah, all you can receive is love. So, yeah. I believe that. So, and I I feel it when I am fully present that way. Yes, that's all you can have. Who is the who gave the famous quote that at any moment that you're present, you're able to love? Um, I mean, it's the same message yes. everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere you head, it's the same. It's all one destination. Yeah, but I feel to. like all these quotes, you know, they fly by our yeah. desk, they fly by our phones, they're in our feeds. They're it's all like, like calendars like, you flip or something. And yeah. it's like you never really stop and like, okay, let's like try and really think about what that means or even take up practices to arrive. Yeah. But we don't always have to arrive. It's all part of the journey. No, it's a journey. It? Sometimes yeah. in this lifetime, you never do. Yeah. So that's totally fine. Mm-hmm. I assume we might have just touched on it, but that time that you spent the really, really lowest moment on the floor crying. <laughs> I mean, that was the lowest because I even remember like being with a bottle of vodka on Favreau Street in Surrey Hills in Sydney, like out the front of my old office. And I worked in the music industry at the time. And I could it was like... Before work. So it was like before 9 a.m. Good job. And there was like a lot of homeless people (laughs) in Surrey Hills. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, for Sydney, it's nothing like uh, what we have in L.A. But um, there was this homeless guy that I was kind of friendly with. And I just had my bowl of vodka and I was like, I'm not going to go up those stairs today. I'm going to sit here with you. And we shared the bottle of vodka and I like text my boss going, downstairs not coming to work today. Um, Wow. Yeah. And, you know, I got his story through a haze of um, brokenheartedness and and liquor. But that was one time. But I guess more recently, um, you know, with Conscious City Guide and the business, and this is, you know, real life stuff is that, we'd set goals for the business and all around capital fundraising and investment. And and we started out on that path. And I um, have, up until this day, the company is self-funded. Like I sold, I went back to Sydney and sold my house Mm -hmm. to fund the company. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we are at a pain point of growth in the company. We're doing so much um, and we just need more capital to to keep up with that. To take it where you want to go. Yeah, to, to, keep up and to also yeah expand it to the next level and um so we'd set some goals around that and you know timing wise we didn't get there and I I don't know if I told you this but I was like well I was seeing you right in the midst of of having those meetings and pitching to raise that capital, okay so I haven't gotten to hear on May June anyways so like you know we're having all these meetings and I started to feel like really icky around the whole capital raising game. Like I'm not a salesy person and everything that we do with Conscious City Guide is so authentic. So I guess in a way like the traditional routes of raising money, which we're doing both traditional ways and obviously our own unconventional ways, but the traditional ways were really not vibing with me. And it's a lot of pitching and it's a lot of selling. Yeah. And it's like, 
Yeah, those people don't even get that, you know, it's not about, of course, like business, it's about the bottom line, but I would end every meeting by saying at its core is I want to make conscious lifestyle more mainstream through experiences. And what does a conscious lifestyle mean? It means people who are inspiring and activating people to become more connected to themselves, each other and the community and the planet. And like you would just get quizzical looks or like silence on the end of like the Zoom line or whatever because you do a lot of these things on Zoom and you'd be like, okay, like he just or she does just not get it. Um, So anyway, long story, we didn't hit some timeline goals and I was like, what am I going to do? I like, woe is me, sold my second car, like air quotes. Like yeah. I had that moment of, you know, Mel, why do you think it's so bad? You own two cars, like just sell one of them and you can get through another few months, you know, or whatever. So it was definitely not as bad as what No, it but it's a been. sacrifice. It hurts. It's, yeah. it's hard. And I like cried all week because I thought that I would have to move back to Australia. Yeah. And I was like, oh, well, just went to Byron Bay for a friend's wedding. It's really nice there now. I can go get a job in a coffee shop and like, <laughs> oh, no, I was like, oh, how much can I charge people for tea ceremonies? I was like, oh, well, you can't really charge people for tea ceremonies maybe. So I was like, I can't move to Byron and do tea ceremonies. <laughs> it would be like donation, but does that even count? We don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, I so love all this. all those thoughts were going through my head. I okay. was like, oh, my visa's up anyway. Like maybe I just shouldn't renew it. I'm Am like, I wrong that this sounds like a magic dark with something? Yeah. Coming? Oh, okay. I'm like, you sound like you're in a magic dark to Yeah, no, and like then I had like you in the back of my head going, it's only the magic dark. Good. Don't like get back to bar. Don't do it. Don't <laughs> pass the test. <laughs> um, so that was a magic dark moment for sure. And it was only super recently. And I was on the floor crying. And, you know, two of my best friends, Rob and Jordan, you know, I was on their floors crying. And, you know, I am on a visa here. So I have to make money and earn money to stay here in mm-hmm. this country for me. And, uh, you know, there were a lot of jokes flying around. Yeah, yeah. uh, Well, we'll just get married. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. All the ones. Yep, I'm familiar with all these, yeah. But, yeah, that was the last time and it was pretty recent. And did anything come through? Um, It's all, no. Like the the short answer is no, it didn't. And I want to be authentic and honest in that because I I feel that we are still on this journey of growing the company having a lot of amazing conversations now that I've like really kind of filtered the exact strategy and process and the type of growth that we want to have and that we're not just seeking straight up capital from, you know, Silicon Valley tech investors. Yeah, yeah. yeah there's some, definitely some very exciting things happening. I'm excited. It sounds like you're just in a little magic dark. I feel like something, <laughs> a wave's going to come through. Yeah. I'm excited. Who are your biggest expanders for Conscious City Guide model specifically? Um, well, me, I think coming from the music industry um, and because I do want to make conscious lifestyle mainstream, I look to cultures outside of, well, you know, health, wellness. Same. When I look at business models, it's never in the health and wellness business for the most part. And so coming from the music industry, that's, you know, my first go-to. And, you know, I worked in it for over 12 years. So I have a lot of deep, strong 
amazing relationships in in that world. And so if I look at companies as a model, it is big promoters and ticketing companies like a Live Nation or like an AEG or like a Golden Voice, although they haven't built offerings for their communities to ticket and like and share mm-hmm. their experiences, they're still the ones who are enabling these beautiful shows, festivals to happen. Yeah, they really are. If they're making that, that they're bringing it. Yeah, they're bringing it to the masses. Yeah. Um, so I look to those people in terms of like a straight up business mm. model sense. And do you have anyone nearby you who's gone through, they've been your expander personally as a trajectory within that realm? Yeah. Uh, I mean, firstly, when I was even thinking about, it was like totally scary leaving the music industry. You know, I was in my 30s, like early 30s and I'm a Taurus. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Career change in your 30s, like that's freaking And loving risky. your comforts and pleasures. Yeah. Very, yeah. Super risky. And I mean, I'd moved to LA before all of this as well. So in a way, like I had shown myself that like change isn't that scary. It's possible. Yeah. yeah. But um, especially to another country with a visa and figuring out if you're going to settle in, or are you going to buy, or are you going to, what are you going to do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. It could be because so like I said, like life in Sydney was great. Like I owned my house, had an awesome job, like had the dog, like whatever, you know? So it was scary making the move to changing countries, like when you're 31, but I did it. Um, but then when I was thinking about changing careers, The whole story goes that I was actually backstage at a music festival with one of the bands that um, I was working with at the time and just had this moment where the whole world slowed down and everyone was like, like morphed. And no, I hadn't taken any drugs. Like, but that's what it felt like. You just went to go see that one healer and then you were, no, I'm kidding. Um, But everything was slow and I was like, oh, my cycle here is done. I love Everything those. is the same. And once that seed was planted in my head. You can't unsee it. Yeah. Yeah, I could not. So the next month I went back to Australia, told my boss, like, ah, I think I'm like quitting. And I had this kind of conscious lifestyle blog. Mm, I didn't know for that. For two years. Okay. Like, the last two years of kind of my music career because I was just so interested in this lifestyle, I guess mainly because of that experience with the healer. And like, so I was like on this path of looking for all these things. And so I just started profiling people who are in this world. Mm -hmm. And unbeknownst to me, I guess my higher self was like planning all along because like I had this incredible network of beautiful people who had featured on my blog. Totally. So they were all my expanders. So Rich Roll and Julie Pyatt were the first people that I'd ever profiled on my blog. And, you know, I started that blog because, yeah, they were inspirational. And then without me knowing at the time, I guess they were expanders Mm. of how to live this type of life. And they fully live the lifestyle. Yeah, they totally embody embody it. Yeah, Yeah, it's amazing. And, you know... They're great friends, but now they're also clients. Yeah, it, you so, turned it into a business. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, yeah, so when I decided to quit the music industry and um, 
I was like, what am I going to do? Oh, well, I've got that blog with all these amazing people on it. And, you know, I'd become quite good friends with Julie or Srimati. At, um, and I called her and I said, because we'd had a discussion maybe a few months before. And she's like, Rich and I want to start doing retreats. And I was like, oh, yeah, that'd be nice. Tons of people would go like blah, 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 like, you know, over a cup of tea. And then yeah. I called her literally two days after that music festival um, moment backstage. And I was like, I think I'm going to quit. You'll need someone to uh, organise that retreat for you. And then by, that was in November. And by May the next year, we'd sold out the first Rich Roll and, and Julie Pye And now they retreat. couldn't be more successful yeah. at everything but the retreats as well, yeah. which sound amazing yeah they're awesome so good for you so that's how you figured out a way to take the expansion and everything you knew in one career and apply it to your actual passion and you've actually made a full career out of it yeah and even with all of that conscious city guide to this point is incredibly successful I yeah, mean, to anybody you. else's standards, I know. You're an expander to me. It's amazing. I come to you with questions <laughs> well, all the I know. time. I'm always like, oh, my God, how's the like ultimate manifesto coming to me as an expander? <laughs> like, yeah. It's because oh. I can see everyone else so clearly, but then it becomes hard when I'm like, what is it that I need to do for strategy? Right. That's why, you know, Amanda's here and there's a great team because I'm like, I can see everything, but when it comes to creating you know, the company or how to restructure it or dealing with my codependency issues and being able to actually take the time I need to rest and heal. And yeah. so that's where you are such an expander in that. Oh, awesome. When we had that meal over your birthday. <laughs> that time, well, both times with the breakup, and maybe you wanted to speak to one of them or this recent humbling experience of not on time. I don't believe there's such yeah, things as I mean, time and now space. I know, like, of yeah. course I know there's no time, but I set a time. I'm a, I've and got schedules, Lacey. I'm like, <laughs> don't use dates because <laughs> that's what happens when you do. If, but either of those experiences, whichever you feel hit you the hardest, obviously they're very different. Mm. Where was your self-worth at during those experiences? Um, both of them were grossly, grossly low. I mean, probably the most recent one was that I considered myself a failure. And, you know, that was only three, two to three months ago now. And I'm like, ah, you're not a failure. Jeez. Like, look at what you've done. And you've still got a bunch of people working with you. And the fact that your team, like, believes in your vision, like, literally does like make me so emotional and brings me to tears. I'm like, okay, if like these five other people can see it and believe it, like firstly, I'm so grateful for them. And how, why do you see it? Thank yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how I feel with you guys all the time. It's I'm like, like how, are you guys you leaving? Yeah. Like, I don't know why you're here. Why are yeah. you here? Yeah. Like yeah. We, did a, we did a company retreat a couple of years ago maybe and I served tea to our um team and like I was bawling at the end of it and Aww. I was just like I don't understand why you're here <laughs> <laughs> I love that so I felt in a way yeah two to three months ago the self-worth was failure level So I'm quickly interrupting this episode to invite you if you're ready to start your manifestation journey or if anything you've heard in our manifestation episodes has piqued your interest to begin. We have a la carte workshops 
in everything from the basics bundle, which is what we recommend to everyone who starts. It's the formula that actually teaches you how to manifest, unblocked inner child and unblocked shadow. We also have a la carte workshops on love and money. But the real gem is the Pathway membership because it encompasses every single workshop we have. It's a year long membership with full access to the few a la carte offerings we have and exclusive workshops not available anywhere else, such as the daily practice, which is what everybody in the pathway uses, hopefully at least three times a week to daily in order to truly create the new neural pathways that one needs in order to manifest and houses the library of our deep imaginings, which is our unique hypnosis process that allows you to get into your subconscious and overwrite those old neural pathways, creating the new ones. You can use our special code EXPANDED, all caps, E-X-P-A-N-D-E-D, to receive $20 off your first a la carte workshop purchase or $20 off your first month of the pathway. Again, that's all caps, EXPANDED, E-X-P-A-N-D-E-D. Okay, now back to the episode. I want to go into what did you learn from both experiences? And you can tie it into, obviously, the very first one initiated you. It was a huge, I love those. I call them earthquake lessons that knock you into your authentic self, the breakup. And it's why it's what made you seek out that healer. It's what made you have this conscious experience. And now it's led you onto this life. Mm -hmm. That experience, along with uh, this recent one that's humbling, but I know... In six months from now, we're all going to be looking at it and rolling our eyes. What did you learn from both of those experiences? Well, um, definitely with the breakup, I learned that I did not yet know how to embody myself. Mm. And I was so immersed in the other person's world and the world revolved around him. Mm -hmm. And so it was never about me. And so for the next, you know, seven or eight years, the lessons along the way is like how to stand up for yourself. Now navigating the world of dating is like... um, It's my favorite to listen to. It's quite fun. (laughs) I would say I'm having a fun time. What do I always tell you? (laughs) My favorite thing. Run into the fire? Yeah. (laughs) I've run into the fire multiple times. Yeah, yeah. Um, she'll, she'll be like, no, he's still around. No. <laughs> he's gone, by the way. Good. Yes. Yes, he's gone. Um, but definitely ran into the fire with that one. Uh, so, yeah, that was the biggest lesson, learning how to just stand up for yourself in a relationship and be independent, yet be, obviously, I have still much more. So much more work to do in couples because I can't even articulate it. But anyway, um, just, yeah, being myself in a relationship was the biggest lesson out of that one. Autonomy. Yeah. Yes, thank you. Yeah, I love that. And in the most recent one, um, I would say huge lesson is it was super exciting to ride the highs and lows of what we're going through because it was all new. Yeah. Yeah. And like, and big and huge. Some of these conversations we were having were freaking off the Richter 
what I thought we'd be having in three to five years' time. I think they were just expanders. <laughs> yeah, well, they definitely were, mm. absolutely. And then, you know, you would get no's on after some of those kind of investment meetings. And so th- the biggest lesson around that was just learning how to not ride the highs and the lows and, in a way, such a fine line of how do you become detached but involved and I you know I have this relationship with a hawk at my house like I literally can call it in wow yeah and they mean freedom yeah wow but so when I was going through this and after I was kind of out of the the, the drama of it I was like yeah I've just got to be more like Lukemba that's what I've named the oh. hawk and just see everything from the macroscopic view. Mm-hmm. It's not good or bad. You don't have to be on the floor. Although sometimes they're like wallowing in the pain. Yeah, I um, think it's, I think it's a, <laughs> a different form of a release, of a healing. Yeah. But if you want to continue in not only in the day-to-day operations of the business but continue expanding the business, you almost, you can't, have that week on the floor. Mm. I think they'll they'll just become non-existent or they'll be about way bigger things in the future. Yeah, or they can be as disappointing and crushing even more so than what, you know, I experienced two months ago. Like I definitely want to experience more crushing business things mm-hmm. because that only means that the business is bigger. But if I can now be like that hawk and Lakemba and just see it from up here and just like, okay, that happened. In a sense too, you're saying essentially the same thing about both. So detaching your identity from this other exterior component and being able to be autonomous within any situation of your worth is essentially what I'm hearing through both of those. Thank you. So that's beautiful. And the universe is sending you the perfect medicine left and right for you to really strengthen that Mm -hmm. because, and I like to say this, I mean, it sounds like a, you know, sounds like one of those quotes uh, that come up on Instagram, (laughs) but, uh, I feel we have to be prepared for what we're asking for because it's usually greater than where we are. Right. So you're getting all of that beautiful preparation to be in that space, to be so autonomous that nothing else is really determining your internal experience. Not nothing because we're a human, so everything. But it's not determining your worth. It's not determining your level of identity. It's not determining who you are. It's just something that's happening so that you can be in energetic worth alignment with what you want. Yes. That's all it seems is happening. Yes, exactly. But isn't it like a really fine line of being in that space and not building up a fortress? Yeah. You know what it is? Um, like I just recently had a wave that, you know, hit me and knocked me off for a couple of days. But the moment I paused it and I quiet, I quiet it, I come right back into myself. Yeah. And it's like... Being able to have that capability to know, have such a deep sense of self mm. and such a deep sense of detachment and mm-hmm. um, autonomy mm-hmm. that opening your heart and I, f- I feel that in the long run it gives you more capability of being vulnerable and being able to put yourself out there and being able to expose yourself because there's such a deep sense of self. Yep. 
that nothing can really determine. So like I know in love now, for instance, there's pretty much nothing in love that can happen to me that's going to ever really put me on the floor again because I don't identify myself through my partners ever whatsoever where I used to. That's all I used to do um, as a codependent. And I'm the opposite spectrum of codependency. I'm love avoidancy. I've had to hone that back in too. Mm -hmm. But um, And that's the case for money easiest thing on like to me it doesn't do that to me really ever anymore and it used to own me I grew up in poverty it owned me right um but there are other components where I'm still getting those tests and lessons to learn that and the only reason why that would be happening is because we have something greater that wants to come through right so like that's how I know in my mind I'm like oh she's still in a magic dark something you're just getting toughened up to be in your worth that's in alignment with what you want Good, but I just like don't want to become so because like I have a tendency like so to masculine, so, like the hard bitch, yeah. so <laughs> tough, and like I built this fortress around me. But then, like you know, it is a fine line of exactly what you said. But because I have that tendency of just toughening up so hard that it's like, man, no one's coming in, no, no one can help me, like blah blah blah. Yeah. You know that. Um, but at the end of the day, if you toughen yourself to that such, to such like a, a strong, tough level, they're actually not only are you doing yourself a disservice, but totally. you're doing the entire, you know, everyone a disservice. Yeah. Because if you're not doing what you're meant to be doing and operating as you and who you are in this world, then you're not, you're not participating. Totally. And I think in toughness, this collective, in this collective, absolutely. Because we're all one. So it's like, and I, think I can't build a fortress. <laughs> it's such a front, right? It's another form of, um, please don't hurt me, yada, yada, yada. But a true sense of self, I think that's one of the most feminine things you can be because then you're the most receptive you can possibly be. Mm. You know, so it's not the not need of something, but it's that thing isn't going to define me. It's not yeah. going. So it's literally, it's a form of detachment. It's yeah. another, but without um, leaving the body, without le- without hardening and not receiving. Yeah. So I don't worry. I think you're going to be fine. And plus you have, you have so many feminine practices and yeah. you have such a feminine I know, chart. It's like all good, but yeah. it's just, you know, I've been down that fortress path. So yeah. I'm just like aware of it, good. I guess. And, um, and, you know, it's just important for, like, other people who are going through that too. But, you know, we can build these walls when we go through, when we're going through whatever. And it's, and it's like, no, we need you. Yeah. Like, we actually need you. Come out, please. Yeah, your heart. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. well, I'm glad you touched on that because I think a lot of people can benefit and hear that and know that. It's not the way. It's not, you know, so I'm so glad. What's the biggest shadow aspect that you've had to integrate throughout your life? So the thing that used to trigger you and you weren't even aware of, you were defensive of or not good enough of, so nobody, if, any, if anybody ever found this out about you, you would be shattered. I mean, the biggest triggers come from my mother. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Amen. Don't we all know getting? <laughs> we both have Libra moms. <laughs> yeah, she's yeah. Libra mom. And so there's a lot of shadow work around the triggers, which 
you know, it'll even be a person that I meet and then I'm projecting stuff onto this person, but it's because they've reminded me of my mom in some way. So I guess there's still a lot of mother shadow work that I'm going through. Um, I have that in my relationship. Really? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's really interesting. And then, but when you catch yourself, it's so humbling. It's like, oh my gosh, like it's not got anything to do with that person. Like actually one really cute, funny story about this is that um, my dog, Pippet, she just won't be affectionate. Oh, I love that. Like when you come home from vacation, she's like, whatever. Yeah, she's like, meh. Yeah. But you know what I figured out recently, like last week? Oh, and even to the point where like she'll be staying at one of my friend's houses and um, I'll be staying at the house too and she'll choose to go sleep with him in his room and not sleep with me in, in the spare bedroom. And like I'll wake up and I'll go into the room and like – you know, sorry for the derogatory language, but like I will walk into the room and I'm like, oh, Pippet, you slut. Yeah, yeah. Like this. <laughs> and then like I caught myself and I was like, oh, Pippet, I'm so sorry. Yeah. You're not a slut. <laughs> like that was my, pr- and I, this is the stupidest story, but it's true. It's like that was my projection on like wanting to give something, someone that attention because I didn't receive that type of physical affection growing up Mm -hmm. and like I was like it's not the dog's fault she's not a slut she's just little miss independent and she likes Rob way better than me like in this moment yeah it's just she didn't get to see Rob a lot yeah Yeah. (laughs) I was like I'm so sorry but like I realized like that was my own thing whereas like before for the longest time I just project onto that poor dog that like she didn't like me poor thing <laughs> but uh do you, so I you. think it's around like um physical affection that I received you know as a child and I guess that also rolls into that cultural and era related stuff with my mom that you know they don't show that type of affection yeah yeah my friend was telling me this really beautiful, I haven't gotten to catch the episode of it on NPR, but this story that they were doing on the tsunami in Japan and oh, what is it called? But it's basically a man because everybody didn't show, they lost a lot of obvious loved ones in this very small town. And the man, um, this particular man, because it's so repressed in the sense that you don't show emotion or you don't go Mm -hmm. talk about your emotions or express those, that he decided to build this little um, telephone out, you know, like what we used to have. What were those called? The telephone, yeah, uh, whatever the box thing. <laughs> we we can't to, even. Do you, welcome to fucking twenty eighteen. Oh my god, the telephone box. Telephone box. Is that <laughs> what? <laughs> no, but I'm gonna call it that for now. Wow, the payphone. <laughs> so he made one of those. And he would go in every day and that's where he would talk to the person he lost. And then it became so popular that people started to travel from many distances. And he noticed like while he was washing dishes that people were coming in and having these communications. So NPR went and put a microphone inside there to hear what people were saying. And they would just break down and be devastated and able to finally express Express themselves. Yeah. Wow. It's so powerful. Wow. Yeah. Oh my gosh, thank you for sharing that because that's really clarified, yeah, a huge aspect of shadow work that I've been working on for years now is how to express my emotion because like an affection and emotion 
um, and feel safe in that. And that's why the conversation we just had a minute ago is also so important to you to mm. be able to receive and, and have that experience. Yeah. I hear you, man. I hear you. <laughs> Woo. Um, biggest inner child shift you've needed to make or that's been aware, when, even when you were doing reparenting, let's say. Oh, wow. Well, when I did reparenting and that first DI of going back into the womb, I'd never gone back into the womb, Lacey. I don't know if I've told you this, but, um, you know, it's still so recent, really, of me finding out that I was adopted. Literally. Only four years ago. Yeah. Um, so I'd never experienced going back into the womb. And so when I did your reparenting um, course and, and did that first session, I really broke down in there and just felt so much fear and secrecy and just felt unsafe. And I'm so grateful for you to have given me that tool to look at that and so that now I can look back in in like times now where I'm feeling fearful or unsafe or um, just insecure and like really looking at where that that has come from but I mean that's like a long time ago a a lot a long time ago but and that's still work that I'm doing so I mean I think forever all of us (laughs) yeah but I'm just so grateful that you're doing it that you did it (laughs) so thank you for sharing that has there been a moment to this point even though you feel like you've had a humbling you know quote unquote setback, which I don't believe, you know, a few months ago, uh, was there a moment or has there been this real moment of self, um, congratulations where you went, yeah, I'm a badass. I, I followed my passion. I've created this. I mean, have you had one of those moments where you've really rewarded yourself and, um, oh yeah, I did. And it was a shock and it was, um, in the first 12 months of launching Conscious City Guide, um, we were nominated for a Webby. Wow. Which is the internet's highest accolade. Wow. It's basically the Oscars of the internet. And we were nominated as best event website. And we were there. There was us next to Macy's and Budweiser. Yay! This is amazing. It was Conscious City Guide. And I was like, huh? Wow. That's like weird. But then I was like, no, this is cool. Kiki and I have done this and our team. And um, I can't believe Conscious City Guide's like in the lineup next to Macy's and Budweiser. Like what the? Wow. And it also shows that our world is craving that next yeah. to two of the biggest corporations. I mean, it's craving this consciousness. Yeah. So and so that amazing. to me also gave me the fire of just like, I we got nominated this. for that. Yeah. Like, there's so much more we got to do. Like, uh, that was with an excellent, amazing team of four people, but like, and with a bootstrapped money from the sale of my house. But I was like, we got nominated for that. Like, just you see what we can do with like all this other stuff. Oh, like, <laughs> I'm so proud of you. <laughs> Thank you. What about for the person who hasn't fully tuned into Conscious City Guide? Mm-hmm. Can you tell us about that and how to interact with it? Yeah, I mean, just ConsciousCityGuide.com. If you are um, putting on an event that 
is to inspire or activate a more conscious lifestyle. And that could be anything from um, inspiring or activating, moving people to find that connection to themselves, to their communities or to the planet. So that's like a huge broad range of things that of types of events that you could put on, you would go to consciouscityguide.com, click create an event. And, you know, within minutes, once you've entered in all the stuff, your tickets are on sale through our platform and you're automatically populated and distributed through our beautiful, abundant community. And then on the flip side of that, if you're looking for those types of events, so you're you're like on Instagram right now or listening um, to this podcast in your car, And you're like, oh, yeah, I would really like to meet some like-minded people in real life um, and go to some sort of event. You would go to ConsciousCityGuide.com and you can literally like type manifestation or sound bath. Yoga. Yoga. Tea ceremony. Yeah, ceremony, whatever. Women's circle, whatever. Men's circle. There's like men's stuff. Awesome. Yeah. There's this really cool group on there called Yog Talks, and it stands for younger, older guy. (gasps) I love it. I feel like I'm a younger, older woman. Pardon? I feel like I'm a younger, older woman. I love that that exists. (laughs) So, Yog Talks is one, and um, that's a really cool men's kind of lead event but like women can go as well um so yeah any sorts of these events if you're looking for them you can find them around you or if you're putting one on put them up through conscious city guide and um yeah we are so supportive of our community as well like we just want to see more and more of these experiences thrive because you know I'd love to ask you, like, when are those moments, life-changing moments for you that happen? It's, like, usually some sort of visceral experience. Completely. Um, or through some connection. So I really believe it, that it's through these in-life connections and in-real-life experiences that people can propel their journey even further to make greater change. So for anybody who's part of our community that's tuning in, it's like a very, very oversized unblocked village that has a lot of events. (laughs) A lot of events. Are you allowed to say how many, how big the community is now, just to give a perspective for how many offerings and how many people you can potentially meet? Yeah. I mean, there's over 8,000, over 8,000 events listed on the platform at the moment that are globe. Global. Global. Wow. And, you know, those events ticket anywhere from like five to 5,000. You sometimes have free events on there. Yeah. And yeah, exactly. A lot of the events are free. Mm -hmm. And then because that piece that we were talking about before, where I feel like it's so important to participate in the creation of community and just not sit there. the other part of Conscious City Guides business is to produce and co-produce some of the um, some of these larger experiences as well. So, like Ritual and um, Julie Pyatt's retreat, like Mercado Sagrado, which is coming up in October, October thirteen and fourteen. Right. Which you've been before, right? Yeah, yeah, I love it. I've been twice. I love it. Ah, They're yeah. great. Mercado is just the coolest, coolest festival. So, um, we're partners in the production on that. Um, I mean, I see you when I'm there. You're like, 
chicken with your head cut off. You guys are running around <laughs> like making this happen. It's amazing. Yeah, it's so fun. So that's coming up in October. So it's just so important that we just continue to create experiences that can like showcase, inspire and like move people to a more conscious life. Last question of all, what would you have to say to the person who is sitting in such deep fear right now, so afraid to follow their passion, nonetheless start a business out of it, um, and thinking that it's just not even possible in their circumstance or their town or or culture, um, country? Mm -hmm. What would you have to say? We need you. Yeah. We need you to do it. Do it. Yeah, because no one can do it like you. Yeah, you have something unique that nobody else has. Your uniqueness is exactly what is needed and no one else can do it. So we need you, please. Yeah, even if you think it's it's already out there, you will do it differently. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Thank you so much for being here, Mel. Thank taking the time. you for having me. Bringing your electric car out of the canyon. No, it's not here, remember? Oh, that's the one. <laughs> oh, yeah, because you had to keep a reliable, like super reliable car. Well, I, I sold, no, I sold the reliable car. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You're doing because you had to get the transmission yeah, fixed. In I'm, my heart, I was like, you sold the Mercedes. No, I didn't oh, sell the Mercedes. Thank no. God. <laughs> Just for reference, Mel being such an innovator who loves this vintage Mercedes that you saw, but because you're so dedicated to the planet, you took it to have it completely recalibrated to be an electric vehicle, yeah. this old Mercedes. So it's a 1964 230SL, 100% plug-in. Oh, I'm so proud of you. And I've been like, how much was that? I mean, in my mind, I'm spinning. I'm like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to sell my car and go do this. So you're such an innovator. And thank you for being here. And um, we'll probably have you back at some point. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Bye, guys. See you. Thank you so much for tuning into the episode. And I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did, we did. And in case you're not totally ready to join the pathway yet, I wanted to share a few of our free offerings that I'll often suggest to people as a little bit of a blueprint to get them started on their manifestation journey. The first place I like to direct people completely for free is the motivation. You can see it linked below or on our homepage as our testimony library. And it's categorized by different subjects, whether you're calling in career, money, love, wellness, and much more. When you're reading about a member's experience of what they manifested, you're actually seeing to believe and showing your subconscious that that very thing is possible for you. The second place I like to direct people is to the free clarity exercise, which is also linked below. In it, you get to try our own unique hypnosis process, learn about the science and some journaling prompts. And the best part about this You'll get a tiny taste of what it's like to go into your hypnotic state, bring your subconscious forward, and create new neural pathways while receiving clarity. And the third thing, if you haven't listened to it on this podcast yet, please go back to the episode titled Manifestation 101, where you'll learn the basics of neural manifestation to truly understand this process. So go ahead and check out those free resources, the motivation, the free clarity exercise, and the episode Manifestation 101, all linked below. And in an effort to make sure to have representation in this process series, go ahead and submit any process testimonials you have, especially to our LGBTQ plus community, our BIPOC, 
as well as the wise, which is anyone in the community who is 45 and over. All right, we'll be back next week. <laughs> <laughs>